Welcome to the C.S. Joseph Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Nicodemus, INTP, and I'm going to be discussing today's acolyte question. What do NPs look like in their superegos? Before I get into the topic, I'm just going to let you guys know that I will be spoiling the following movies. Fight Club, Batman the Dark Knight, uh, the Daredevil TV series, and John Wick 2. If you have not seen those movies, and you're concerned about spoilers, go ahead and watch those and then come back to this. We're first going to start off with Fight Club. Now the narrator is an ENTP. And he's kind of like this like nerdy-ish office job guy. You know, he's kind of like pushed around by his boss. He doesn't like, he has like his thoughts and opinions but he doesn't say them because he's like nervous about like perceptions of other people and generally just like I don't know to express the amount of nerdness he is he's like he spends his time looking through like Ikea manuals and just getting like really excited and to be fair I enjoy me a good desk but he's, he's like having fun with tables and it's like man what a loser <laughs> and eventually the narrator meets up with this guy named Tyler Durden and they sort of have these, like, you know, adventures after the narrator's house burns down and they just, like, started fighting each other in a parking lot just because, like, the Tyler Durden was like, hey, I want to see what you can do. And, you know, that sort of led to these fun fights on Saturdays that eventually gathered a group. They eventually moved underground. Well, not underground, like, in a basement and had like these little fight club hosting events and then eventually led to you know t terrorist organizations that at the end of the movie uh, a bunch of banks blew up everything is reset to zero so Tyler Durden is an ESFP ESTP kinda hybrid-ish type of thing basically the role of him in the movie is that he is the narrator's superego you know, of course, there's some TI blending in there because, you know, the narrator is an ENTP, but functionally, the Tyler Durden is an ESSP. And that movie is kind of an example of what it's like kind of having your superego. It's like you have, like, this secondary person in you that's not super active, then it, you know, becomes active, and you don't know what it's thinking, but you go along with it. You know, assuming that you embrace the demon function. And then, you know, part of burning things down. You guys remember the Joker quote where they it's just the man wants to see the world burn? Yeah, the Joker is also an ENTP with his ESFP superego hanging out. And one thing that I'd like to add with the Joker as well is that there's like the temple influences. Which you haven't read up on temples yet, I highly recommend that. But the Joker, um, when he ever talks about, like, I'm going to teach you a lesson in that regard, the fun part about that is that there's a temple influence in there, because the ENTP, ego is, like, the heart temple, which is based on passion, 
then you have uh, the the subconscious, which is the body temple for any NTP, which is based on like legacy and creation. Then you have uh, the, their unconscious, which is based on character, characters of other people, characters of themselves, and then the mind temple, the ESSP side of the ENTP mind. Uh, that's the mind temple. So it's kind of fun. The, I'm going to teach you a lesson. It's simultaneously like that. Yeah, it's education. Not wholesome, but it's an education. As well as like the expert sensing, because generally that I'm going to teach you a lesson is given an experience. A knife very slowly through the chest. Yeah, it's uh, pretty. <laughs> but all these super egos are fun and everything, but what happens when it's like in real life? Uh, well, did you know Hitler was an ENTP? Yeah, that, that guy wanted to see the world burn. It was kind of his intention. Uh, in the Jordan Peterson video, uh, Hitler was more evil than you could possibly have thought. That's kind of where I'm getting my perspective from. But, like, he didn't run, like, the Nazis in a way that meant he intended to win the war. Because it's like, he's losing the war, and he could totally convert, you know, the, the Jewish people he had captive into ways to funnel the war, but basically at the very end he was just like, let's get rid of as many as possible. You know, it kind of showed he didn't really intend to win, it's just like he just wanted to create chaos, and uh, he certainly did. <laughs> you know, six million Jews die, uh, there's like 20 million refugees, but that's enough for the ENTPs. We're now going to get into uh, the INTP, uh, ISSP superego. Hey, like me. Kingpin from the Marvel Daredevil TV series is an INTP. His dad was abusive. The best way to describe his dad was he was abusive, but like in the like man up type of way, but you know, not about like keeping one's emotions concealed until you can properly manage them or whatever. It's just like, uh, hey, this little kid that you're fighting, uh, kick him while he's unconscious on the ground and that kind of stuff. But the one that really got Kingpin to snap into his ISFP superego was uh, his dad would frequently beat his mom after he lost a political election and uh, he made little Kingpin like sit, look at the wall and just like hear his mom screaming. Like screaming from pain and you know. He eventually uh, had enough of it. He, his extroverted feeling inferior, was just tired of hearing, you know, all that stuff, knowing his mom's going through that suffering. Um, you know, he's like, I'm not gonna let you, Mr. Dad, confirm what's good and wrong. I'll, I'll determine what's good and wrong. You know, I'll, I'll be the judge, jury, and especially executioner when, you know, he picked up a hammer and killed his dad, was bobbing him right in the back of the head. And, you know, after his dad fell, he proceeded to keep hitting him with the hammer, just to let out some of that anger that he's built up over the years. But I think that another pretty common way for F.I. Demon to come out is just through general apathy. Uh, I was part of a church for a little while, uh, after high school, because I was kind of like, I 
my extrovert feeling inferior kind of needed some sense of like community and that kind of stuff and that winded up with me being in a Pentecostal church and you know that was fun for a while uh, they called me the funniest person because I was the only person that actually tried using dark humor a little bit <laughs> but uh, yeah that was fun for a while I liked the community projects and um, I eventually had some clashes with like uh, the preacher and he he really wanted me to convert my family like you know talk about the religion and bring them to church but I'm not a kind of guy to push anything I don't like obligating people and you know I made my rounds to you know the family members uh, my brother is a ESTP anarchist person I was not gonna try to convince him my dad was part of the church for like 30 years I didn't think I was gonna convince him at all and then um, my mom and my sister I talked to about it a couple times um, but I never really wanted to do the AT&T salesman thing where it's like hey try the product every time I see them because I was eventually going to get shut out because like I if I have someone tells me to try to do something that I don't want to do repeatedly I just go away and that's kind of like I was projecting that onto them like and then eventually my pastor was you know he'd egg on me it's like hey your your family's still not here you're still by yourself and he eventually one day was just like dude you need to bring your entire family here like you should have had them here by now and I was just like excuse me and you know after that service I just never came back I wasn't a door slam because the door slam brings a lot of attention I just closed the door silently behind me and no one knows where I went none of them so that's kind of that FI demon apathy walking away and yeah I got quite hedonistic after that and I'm quite frankly not fully recovered from that hedonism but I, I think that's the thing that really set me in stone as unconscious focused probably for the next decade or so <laughs> Before I get into the NSPs going into their superegos, I'd like to let you guys know about an upcoming course from C.S. Joseph. Are you dating material? And that will be exciting because I know the general answer, but I think that the course will help me improve myself for the dating market, and I think it can help you guys too if you think you guys are struggling at it or you just want some general improvement and refinement or what to look out for in other people. That might even be a more important aspect. So keep an eye out for it. I'll let you guys know when it comes out. Another real life example is Conor McGregor. He is an ENFP and he is a wrathful man. <laughs> Conor McGregor uh, has a tendency when he is doing these like live shows, like MMA, Q&A type of things where he gets really ragey with the other people uh, that is doing it. Like, you know, if he the crowd is booing him, he'll, like, throw, like, water bottles. Not even his own water bottles. Just, like, after he throws his, he'll take other people's water bottles. And I'd be like, dude, that's my water. And, like, the biggest one that stands out to me is uh, when he is with Floyd Mayweather. Like, when they were fighting and doing those uh, conference things together 
He, like, absolutely roast the heck out of him, just being like, Dude, you don't even know how to read. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it's very funny to watch him, you know, get up in people's faces like this, like, Do you want to go? But, like, there's kind of an element to functionality with the superego, because it wouldn't be there if it didn't serve a purpose, but... ENFPs, when they're going into their superegos, they're, like, trying to, like, build character in other people, kind of like an ESTP would, except it's a lot more painful and mean. But it gets the job done. You generally, when a person goes to the superego, it's like the egos aren't doing a good enough job at it. And extrovert sensing demon, in general, also is about building up other people. It's just the ENFP one is like more concerned about it, and that's what it's more about, while the ENTP expert sensing demon is more about like making stuff burn, and if it builds character in the process, why not? Like one clip in the movie was Tyler Durden. I really liked was when he was talking to this like cashier kid. Basically he was gonna blow up this convenience store and he pulled out the cashier kid and you know, he had the you know, the kid on the ground on his knees, and he had, a, you know, his gun to the back of his head, and he was like, uh, well, what do you want to do with your life? And he's like, I'm in school for stuff, and, you know, Tyler Durden's like, you know, what do you want to do? And the kid was like, I want to be a veterinarian. And Tyler Durden was like, you got six weeks to further your veterinarian goals, and, you know, he let the, the kid go, and he was like, I'll, I'll be back at your address in six weeks. If I don't see any progress, you're dead. And I assume that really built a sense of discipline and or willpower in that kid for many years. I, I probably would get more motivated with that. Not wishing it on me in any way, shape, or form, but hey, it gets the job done. But yeah, Conor McGregor's wrath, even though it's mostly just a used to fuel out his general anger, uh, it, it, does, it does have a tendency to build up character within other people. And then, last but not least, INFPs going into their ISTP superego. So we have John Wick from John Wick 2. In the first movie, John Wick, he lost his wife, and he's just kind of like this uh, mercenary, but in like a sort of Machiavellian sense where the environment is a bunch of people dressed really nicely and that are willing to kill each other any second if the bounty is high enough. But they, within certain circles, uh, we call those... I don't remember exactly what they're called, but I'm just going to call it sacred ground because that's just the general concept of it. Who cares about specifics? The, the sacred ground is just like, you can't kill anyone here. You know. Even if you just show up here while you're fighting, you're done. So that's fun. But uh, that, that's like the big rule of that mercenary group. The second big rule is if you make a blood pact with someone, you have to fulfill the blood pact. And it's basically just like a physical covert contract where it's like, um, well, kind of. Covert contract implies the person starting a favor. But basically, this blood pact, you're asking this person for a favor, and this person will fulfill the, their end of it. And then the person that did the favor for the person that has the blood will ask a favor of that person and that person after that deed is done will uh, put their blood 
into this like physical amulet, and then you, you're both free to go. But John Wick took one of those in the first movie, and the second movie he has to fill that with a guy named um, Antonio. And Antonio wants his sister dead because he's envious. He wants his uh, the art gallery that his sister inherited, and yeah, he's gonna get it one way or another. So John Wick is tasked to kill his sister, and uh, after the sister dies, he wants to be free, but. Antonio kind of being two-faced, he's like, well, what kind of brother am I if I just let my sister die? And, well, now John Wick has a $7 million bounty on his head, which I'd be a little offended if I was, like, the great John Wick, because he's, like, you know, the best at the job. You know, that, like, that in the, throughout the movie, they're talking about how he killed the dude with a pencil. And, quite frankly, it was so big outside of the movie where we're talking about you know, how he killed a dude with a pencil because it was a meme. <laughs> but John Wick, uh, you know, the best guy in the business, only $7 million. Actors get paid more for movies than that, but, you know, it's fine. $7 million is enough to convince a bunch of people on the streets to go after him on his way back to the hub area to fulfill his contract that uh, like four people were fighting him actually five but he had you know he's just like I'm tired of this I want to retire he wanted to be done with it he got dragged back into it because of a blood deal and eventually he's like I'm gonna kill Antonio myself for basically just revenge and Antonio he manages to get back into the safety area, the sacred ground, where John Wick literally can't do anything. And Antonio's like, I can be here as long as I want. And basically the head of this mercenary group was just like, uh, John Wick, go away, calm down. And John Wick, triple affiliative, you know, he's tired of complying with the rules. His TE inferior, you know, all that status that he has isn't doing much for him you know, all these rules and regulations to keep track of. Yeah, he he's just done with it. He's going to do what he thinks. And he thinks that Antonio should be dead, and he shoots him right in the forehead. Like, the biggest in the face that could be done for this mercenary group. So, John Wick now is going to begin the third movie. He's ostracized. And there are so many people after him now. But that's fine. Because he doesn't mind going you know, pragmatic. He doesn't mind that. He wanted to finish the job with his finisher side of the mind, and he did. So, I hope that gives you guys a glance into how NPs are and their super egos. Basically, it's a lot of burning things down with fire or ammunition or hammers. Like, just word of advice, don't, don't activate that side of the mind and other people <laughs> and I'll catch you guys on the next episode of the podcast stay tuned for the dating material course and I'll see you guys later peace